Can you hear me, Scott? Yep, I can hear me. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> okay. Well, I titled this uh, lesson Root of the Righteous. Um, and I put an asterisk there by righteous. I think I put that on your sheet. Um, root of those who hear from the right hand of God and prophetically embrace what he has said. A wise man once said, the wicked desire the net of the evil men, but the root of the righteous yieldeth fruit. <clears throat> of course, we know that wise man was Solomon. And... Um, for us to be trees of righteousness and ones that bear fruit, it's important for us to look after and care for the root of who we are and of who God has created us to be. And so um, during my study, I came across a book um, by A.W. Tozer, um, actually called by the same name, and I'd never seen this book before, but. Um, I took just a few excerpts from his book and I listed them there on your sheet um, and I just paraphrased them. And the first one uh, is, if a branch breaks off of a tree, it may appear healthy and fruitful for a time, but soon it will wither and die because there is no lasting life apart from the root. Much of the church world today will only survive for a brief time because even though it may have the appearance of being fruitful or successful, it has neglected its root. <clears throat> if a tree's root is sound and established, it can weather almost any storm. And in a day and age of microwaves and instapots, um, we've been conditioned to, to expect things instantly. And we lose, um, we lose patience in the waiting. And, but the scripture, um, there's a scripture that we quote often, and uh, it's in 2 Corinthians 12, 12. Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. So, how does the root of the righteous become fruitful? Well, Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. So, first and foremost, we must spend time and commune with our Heavenly Father, and cultivate our relationship with him. And that's been, um, that's been said to us many times over the past months, the importance of our getting alone with God and having that one-on-one -on -one with him so that we can hear from him and, um, and know his heart and know um, what he expects of, us, expects of us as individuals and corporately as saints. And um, the second thing that I noted here um, that would help us to, um, to cultivate our roots um, is to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of God. 
And if we grow in the knowledge of Him, then that's going to cultivate our root. Rooted and grounded in love. Paul said in Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 19, um, <clears throat> For this cause I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to, to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. So we have to be rooted and grounded in the passionate pursuit of the Father. That passion, um, that passion that is fueled by the heart of God that burns within us to establish His purpose throughout the earth. Paul devoted himself to knowing Christ. And in Philippians 3, um, verses 8, 10, and 14, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but for loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And during our spring seminar, uh, Shay spoke, uh, I titled this next section, Root. And during the seminar, uh, Shay spoke about root uptake and um, meaning to draw water from the ground, carry it up through the tree, and then release it into the atmosphere, and how this represents our function as trees of righteousness. And so I've listed two definitions of root here, uh, the second one being the word from which the first one is derived, and I put asterisks to disting distinguish between the two as we're reading through the verses so we don't have to keep going back and forth. Um, but beginning uh, in Proverbs 12, verse 3. So the first definition um, is she-rash, and it the, means the lowest part of a thing. And then the second one um, is shalrash or shalrash, and it's a, a primitive root, meaning to root or to strike into the soil or to pluck from it, to take root, cause to take root, or to root out. <clears throat> so uh, Proverbs verse, verse 3 says, A man shall not be established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous shall not be moved. And we've already read the, um, the 12th verse, which is our key verse. Um, but I'll read it again. The wicked desireth the net of the evil, of the evil man, but the root of the righteous yieldeth fruit. So, as we abide in the Lord, we become rooted and in, in, in Christ and firmly fixed. 
He is our strength. He is our stability, our source. And because, and because the, the Jesus, um, who is the word, is our source, we will not be moved. Psalm 1 verse 3 says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. <clears throat> and then in Jeremiah 17 verses 7 and 8, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope, is, whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth over her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. So in a season of trial or drought, our faith <coughs> and our trust remain in the Lord. Um, the root of the righteous draws the water from the source, who is Jesus, and we're strengthened and uh, will continue to yield fruit. And then in 2 Kings 19.30, And the remnant that is escaped of the house of Judah shall yet again take root downward and bear fruit upward. And then that same verse is repeated again in Isaiah 37, 31. And the remnant that is escaped of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. And in Ezekiel 17, 6, And it grew and became a spreading vine of low stature, whose branches turned toward him, and the roots thereof were under him. So it became a vine and brought forth branches and shot forth sprigs. And then looking at Isaiah 27, 6, He shall cause them that come of Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. If anybody has any comments or anything, just please stop me. Um, <clears throat> and then speaking of Jesus, uh, Isaiah 11, 1, and there shall come forth a rod out of, the, out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And Isaiah 11:10, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall, shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. And in Isaiah 53:2, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root, out of a dry ground, he hath no form of, nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. And then speaking of the unrighteous. In verse, starting with verse, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 18. Lest, lest there should be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turneth away this day from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of these nations, lest there should be among you a root 
that beareth gall and wormwood. So we know that wormwood is that principality that directly opposes the spirit of prophecy and life and supply. <clears throat> and in the land of the Moabites, Moses charged the, peop the people to keep covenant with God. And here he warns them of uh, the consequences if, if they don't keep his covenant. And then in Isaiah 5, uh, verse 24, Therefore, as the fire devour, devoureth the stubble, and the flame consumeth, consumeth the shaft, so their root shall be as rottenness, and their bloom shall go up as dust. Because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts, and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. And then Isaiah 40, 24. I'm sorry, y'all, my throat is kind of raspy. Yea, they shall not be planted. Yea, they shall not be sown. Yea, their stock shall not take root in the, in the earth. And he shall also blow upon them, and they shall wither. And the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. They here in this verse speak, uh, speaks of the princes and the judges in the verses um, in verse 23, um, which I didn't list. Um, and it speaks of those who oppose God's purposes and his people. And this is what will happen to them. And then Isaiah 14, 29. Rejoice not thou, O Palestina, <coughs> Palestina, because the rod of him that smote thee is broken, for out of the serpent's root shall come forth a cockatrice, and his fruit shall be a fiery flying serpent. And then Hosea 9, uh, verse 16. Ephraim is smitten, their root is dried up, they shall bear no fruit. Yea, they bring, though they bring forth, though they bring forth, yet will I slay even the beloved fruit of their womb. So because of, of their sin, God brought punishment of, upon Ephraim. And interestingly, um, Ephraim's name, or the Ephraim means, I shall be doubly fruitful. <clears throat> and he was the second son of Joseph, blessed by him and given preference over Manasseh. But even though, um, even though his name means that he would be doubly fruitful, or they would, this tribe would be doubly fruitful, God, um, God smote their root <clears throat> because they had turned away from him. And then in Amos 2, verse 9, Yet destroyed I the Amorite before them, whose height was like the height of the cedars, and he was strong as the oaks, yet I destroyed his fruit from above and his roots from beneath. So the Amorites were the most powerful of, of all the Canaanite nations, yet God destroyed them. And remember we learned from Tammy's teaching um, several weeks ago regarding the cedars and um, that they were trees whose height was as tall as their roots were deep 
and um, but God destroyed the Amorite uh, the Amorite's fruit from above and the roots from beneath and um, meaning that he he utterly destroyed them all because of their um, turning away from him and then in Malachi 4 verse 1 for behold the day cometh that shall burn as an oven and all the proud yea and all that do wickedly shall be stubble and the day that cometh shall burn them up saith the Lord of hosts that it shall leave them neither root nor branch And then this last verse, I just listed it because it was, I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, this, this guy is a descendant of Manasseh in 1 Chronicles 7, uh, verse 16. And um, his name, uh, his mother, he was named Sheresh, and, um, which means the lowest part. And I just thought it was interesting because you wouldn't, you would hope a mother wouldn't name their child something that meant the lowest part. But, um, so that's why I just put that there. So before I move on to the next um, section, um, the point of, of, of the, this first part is that we being... Uh, those who hear from the right hand of God and prophetically embrace what he has said, um, it's imperative that our root be established in him and grounded in him so that we can, be, we can cultivate that relationship with the Father and that our, fruit, that our root would be fruitful, that we would be fruitful in him. And, and that's the only way that our lives are going to be fruitful. Um, it's that time with the Lord, um, spending with Him, just focused on Him and who He is and who He has created us to be. Yes, ma'am. to traverse through, but um, I think that's a word for us, 
obviously, because the Lord spoke to it during our corporate prayer time, but also the fact that you're bringing this message about our roots. You know, we can always think that we've arrived and we have the deepest roots ever, but roots, the root is what is alive, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We have to keep that cultivation going and keep pressing towards that water, which to me is commune. I mean, I, it could mean other things, you know, after studying about botany and all that that we've been studying but um well it's funny because when I got the word I, I recall laying there and it, it it was I wasn't thinking about the weather but it was an atmospheric feeling that I had that you know I was kind of stifled and I'm like I gotta go deeper I've gotta go deep I've gotta go find the water yeah. and that's kind of how that word came about because I felt myself kind of prophetically you yeah, know pursuing it that way yeah, I think that's definitely a word for us. I mean, goodness, with global warming. <laughs> I'm just joking. I know. I mean, going forward, I think the, the you know part of the message is when it becomes intense like it has been, and when mm -hmm. that oppression and you know the suffocating, I can't get a breath. It's so hot. Um, it's 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 the time where we have to press deep, and yeah, I just think that's. Well, I think the greater the, the greater the tree, <coughs> the greater the root system. And if the root system doesn't continue to pursue, then it it's not going to be fruitful. Righteousness. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to be fruitful. So. Mm -hmm. And and you think about, um, <coughs> you know, in the very beginning of when the Lord just had us on our faces for the first what seven years, just on our face seeking Him. Um, and the general church was like, that's not what we want. But yet we, we stayed and, and continued that pursuit. And that's why our root is fruitful. I mean, you look at um, just recently in Brazil and in France. I mean, look at the fruit of our labor in those places. And, and um, like... Um, like I paraphrased from um, Tozer's book, um, even back when he wrote this book, it's, he said much of the, or I paraphrased, much of the church world today will only survive for a brief time because even though it may appear, may, even though it may have the appearance of being fruitful or successful, it has neglected its root. And much of the church, I mean, it, even back then, and Continuing today, much of the church has neglected who God has called them to be and who he's created them to be and um, neglected what he's purposed the church to be. And so they may look fruitful, they may look successful, but, but they're not. They've been cut off and because of their root system. And... Um, challenges that you're facing because that's really what 
you know, sort of the rubber meets the road for each one of us. Mm -hmm. Well, I humble myself before this scenario that, I'm, that I don't like whatsoever. You know, whatever it is, and it can be over the 27 years or whatever, it's been a myriad number of things that have challenged us personally mm -hmm. and corporately. But, um, you know, it, it's, it never ends. You can't, and I've wondered about, I've wondered about Brownsville. Were they just a move that was only supposed to last a certain period of time? Or did they just get so worn out they just stopped seeking because they were just working? They were just working the vineyards mm -hmm. and not, you know, dealing with the root system of what brought them where they were. I mean, I just, I do wonder about those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's I thought it was possibly because they had turned away from moving into the prophetic. You know what I mean? Well, and that's that's what I mean. Did they they stop seeking? Yeah. So they were unwilling to go forward, or yeah. were they just so wiped out that? I mean, I know, but yeah. the thing is, if they've been seeking, they would have been in a position to say yes to the prophetic and not agree with. Wasn't it like the world? Wasn't it the, um, the leaders of the AG that told them not to go forward, and they just said okay, you know? So they really weren't in a position in a strange way. To, yeah, to oppose what general counsel was saying or whatever. I don't know. I mean, yeah. again, I just wonder, I think about those things because, you know, I want us to make it. I don't want to fall mm -hmm. for the same, you know, the banana tailpipe. I want to go forward, so. Right. <clears throat> I mean, you know, the Lord put us on this journey, and we want to finish. We want to finish the race right. that he put us on. Um <clears throat> summer, which has been very frustrating for all of us, 
Um, it's been frustrating for me from the perspective of, I felt, I felt like in some ways we've been studying about Elijah, we put our head between our legs to the ground seven times and, and was <coughs> rain. But, but it was, it's like God was saying, and for our age, it's kind of difficult to get in that position. <laughs> um, <laughs> some of us. So, um, but I think that there's a, a prophetic sign with that for what's, for what's coming. Um, the other thing is that this, this root of gall and wormwood, um, I, I remember having discussion about this and regarding the fact that in, in ecosystems there are these elements that are there and if the root of the tree stops fulfilling its function and stops fulfilling what the tree, that particular tree is supposed to do and stops gaining the nutrients that are necessary not only to fuel the growth but to supply what the tree's identity is. These things that are in the ground, I forget what they're called, some kind of site, um, will infect that root and it becomes bitter and there's a there's a technical name for it but it it is basically something that's lurking there so it's the principle of soul either you overcome or you overcome you're overcome by what you're supposed to be overcoming and that's the essence of the root of bitterness and that's why in hebrews when it says you fail in grace you've, you've exempted yourself from the plan of supplication and partnership with God toward what he's wanted. There's just so many factors with this that um, indicate things that we face every day. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you've known so many folks, and I, we've been tempted with them. When, when challenges come, you know, there's an inclination to stop doing the things that you should be doing. And when you stop, particularly intercessions, one of them, when, you know, we said in the first five years, if you ain't praying, you ain't staying. Mm -hmm. And that's true. If you're not praying, you're exercising the friend, you're not going to be uh, understanding. Your passions won't be through. You won't understand the things in the word that are being brought forth. Dare I say then you'll, in your haughtiness, say it's not scriptural when it's right there in front of you. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, but but I do I do think, you know, what did you call this heat, unrelenting? Is that what you said? Unrelenting? I think I said something more expressive. <laughs> I'm not talking about what you say to less when nobody's around. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> well, a lot of times, too, the, uh, the root can die but the tree lives on, not knowing the roots are dead yet, till the storm comes and knocks the tree over. <laughs> They're dead, they just don't know it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. true. Well, one other thing, like you mentioned, there was discussion about Brownsville. Um, what, what they were responsible to do was an anomaly, first of all. And, and it was in conjunction with what went on up in, in Toronto. They, they they got their 
training, as it were, musically and every other way, from Toronto, prayer from Toronto. And you read the journals and you see that. So there was a, there was a connection between those two. They were worn out, but there was direct word, look, don't you go any further in developing your stand in the prophetic. And that's been confirmed by Bishop Hammond and Brother Burley. That, that, so it's not me just saying this. And if, if you don't admit to something, then there's no cleansing. Yeah. If you just hide it, well, we don't want to disgrace them. I mean, we're not disgracing any brother. Most of them are dead anyway. But the, the point, though, is, is that what they were supposed to do, who knows? They were really an anomaly. And um, I think for some way they were for a season, but they could have been something more. But I think the point is, is that transitions are, are booger, you know? Well, and, and even while, at least when you and Pastor Paul were there, it may have been the time when a big group was there, but the the giftings that um, others weren't taking that were just left, the Lord, you told the Lord, we would take those. And yeah. so... Um, yeah, that, that was interesting. I mean, and, and, and really, I don't know. It's, it's just so funny following the Lord. But I guess the essence is, and this is kind of the message from me this morning, is that we just have to stay current with with what our essential identity is because that then leads to the way God can use us. We never lose that initial identity and function. And it's easy to do that when you when that function produces other uh, demands. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you speak about um, Brownsville and the prophetic, and I think about just where we are, and particularly leading into the seminar, which is entitled Rama, which geographically, Rama was in the Mount of Ephraim. Is that correct? I mean, Ephraim was a big deal. <laughs> I, I was actually studying about Ephraim last night, and... Um, it's interesting this passage in Hosea where it says Ephraim is smitten their root is dried up they shall bear no fruit we know fruitfulness is prophecy I mean spirit of prophecy the seed dies you know if it doesn't die it bears no fruit and yet Ephraim was called to be doubly fruitful Mm -hmm. and I think where God is leading us in the restoration of in both the restoration and the development of what he originally intended with the school of prophets with the spirit of the prophets with the faithful witness and all of that Ephraim is significant in that equation. I don't know. I mean, I don't have all the answers. I just, in my spirit, I really sense that. And so there's a passage that I was reading that I read last night out of um, Jeremiah 31 that says, (coughs) I was also studying about weeping. (laughs) Because that's what you do on your birthday weekend, right? (laughs) You stay home on Saturday night, you study about weeping. He said, they shall come with weeping and with supplications will I lead them. I will cause them to walk by the rivers of water in a straight way, whereas they shall not stumble. For I am the father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. And, I mean, Ephraim wasn't the firstborn. It was Manasseh, right? 
Well, yeah, see, that's, that's another weird topic because you, you remember Jacob, when his eyes were dim, um, he put his right hand on Ephraim and the left hand on Manasseh, and Joseph tried to do the switcheroo. And, um, and Jacob said, no, it needs to be this way. But Jacob himself was that because Esau was the firstborn. Yeah. And then there was Jacob. Now, that was through trickery, but also, can you imagine what Israel would have been if Esau had been the forerunner, <laughs> a ruddy man out in the woods, uh, you know, Daniel Boone, <laughs> and all of them wearing coonskin caps instead of yarmulkes. <laughs> but anyway, but then you think David, Saul, Saul was the first king. But then David really began the one. And then you think Absalom. And then Solomon. I mean, it's it's almost like that principle, and it, this is weird, but it, it well, Israel and the church. You know, the axe is laid to the root. Now here's this grafted in. Um, and and it's it's like it's somebody we heard, like Catherine Kuhlman would say this regularly, that she was not she would say this. She said the first choice for the ministry that she fulfilled was initially not offered to her. But because that was rejected, she accepted it. And she knew that, that God had affirmed that, but that it was his plan all along, which is weird to me. It's just, it's just weird to me. And that, that happened with a number of other people where God would sidle up and say the same the same kind of thing but it, it, it's it's about it's it's not a principle that has to be but it, it, it really is a principle in, in individuals so if you're the firstborn you're not necessarily gone but um, could be but not necessarily it's it's will you keep doing what you're supposed to do your first love it, you know, is that the firstborn? Is that the first fruits? Do you leave? I don't know. It's just my. It's just, it's just too much. The cogitations of your head. <laughs> Let me be undone back here for a few minutes. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for those wonderful so insights. Friends. So the, the next um, half of, of the lesson I titled Meat for the Master's Use and um, our scripture is in 2 Timothy ver or chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 or starting with 1 through 4. Thou therefore my son be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So Paul is writing to, to this to Timothy, um, but he's also describing our uh, apostolic calling to go and to teach and to make disciples. And then continuing in verse 3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, 
No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a good soldier, or to be a soldier. The affairs of this life, um, like, like we've kind of mentioned, each one of us has demands um, placed upon us um, just because of life. And sometimes the enemy, though, will use um, those things against us, things that are necessary, things that, um, that we're responsible for. He'll, he'll use them and he'll turn them into distractions. And, um, <clears throat> and if we're not careful and wise to his tactics, uh, he'll attempt to take us off course by those things. And so we have to, um, we just have to be aware and let our main focus be, you know, we, yes, we have to take care of this thing or that thing, but then we draw ourselves back over here to the Lord and, um, and, and give Him the time that He um, requires of us and that, and that we want to give Him. <clears throat> and then skipping down to verse 14. Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to, to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. <clears throat> so this is part of how we cultivate our relationship with the Father through the study of His Word. We get to know Him uh, first and foremost by spending that time with Him that, that He so deserves, and, uh, and then to get to know him through the word. <clears throat> and then verse 16, But shun profane and vain babblings, <clears throat> for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenius and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying <clears throat> that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. And then this next verse I really love. Um, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. All of the tactics that have <coughs> come against the word of God, especially in the last couple of years, and uh, cannot shake the foundation uh, of God because it stands sure. And his truths and his principles are firm and steadfast, and they are immovable. And because the word of God stands firm, having our roots in him, we also stand firm. And then continuing in um, the same verse, And let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity, that which has been perverted or twisted. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work, every agathos work, um, every work that is important to the heart and to the intent of God. So, purge ourselves from what? Um, 
The word these in verse 21 speaks of the things or the, the, the way of life uh, that was listed in the prior verses. <clears throat> so we are to, we need to purge ourselves from the way of life that um, is not necessary for us. Um, because those things too, they'll, they'll just gradually pull on us and before we know it, we're being pulled in this direction or that direction. And <clears throat> so we need to purge those things that are not um, necessary for us and things that would, that would prevent us from growing in, in the knowledge of the Lord and growing in Him. Um, So we are to study to show ourselves approved unto God. Um, and I know it's the desire of each and every one of us here to walk as closely to the Lord as possible, to be rooted and established in Him. And more and more separating us unto Him so that we can function according to who He has created us to be. I had somebody say to me um, several months ago, nobody here, um, but they said to me, uh, that they tried to live as closely to the world as possible to enjoy the things of, of the world yet keep one foot in so that they make it. I thought, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> and, and I told them, I said, I said, I want to live as closely to the Lord here as I can so that when we transition into heaven it'll just we'll just pick up and just keep walking with the Lord and um, I was kind of shocked by this person who said it but um, I let them know that you know it's now we need to be preparing ourselves for eternity and um, but anyway um, so we're we're to study to show ourselves approved unto God <clears throat> And you may remember in your school days that um, some of the teachers would say to us, good, better, best, never let it rest till the good is better and the better's best. And you know, that's what God wants of us. And um, he wants us just to continue to, to um, strive to be all that he's created us to be. Um, you know, and if our, if our teachers wanted that for us. How much more does God want his, us to have to be the best for him that, that we can be? Um, Paul said in Philemon uh, chapter 1 verses 10 and 11, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus whom I have begotten in my bonds which in time past was to thee unprofitable but now profitable to thee and to me. Um, I didn't read the definition of meat, but um, it means to be easy to make use of, to be profitable or serviceable, to take to one's use, to do well, to fare well, and to prosper. And <clears throat> Onesimus was a common name among the slaves in, if, of that day. And the first part of his name comes from Onesis, meaning profit as in revenue or earnings. 
And before his conversion, he had, he had been a runaway slave. And um, he had done great disservice to Philemon, so Philemon was kind of done with him. Um, he, had, he had done a great disservice to Philemon and was not a profitable slave. But after his conversion, he became very profitable and very serviceable to Paul, but not only to Paul, but even to Philemon. You know, I thought about our jobs sometimes, um, or maybe a lot of time. Um, we feel like a slave to our jobs, and uh, because we spend so much time devoted to that. But um, you know, we can be profitable employees <clears throat> or not, and depending on you know our work ethic. And uh, I think as Christians, you know, we should have a good work, work ethic um, because the Bible tells us to do whatever we do to do all to his glory and so that's how I try to, to do my job um, but at times it just seems you know pretty demanding and but but yet I want to be profitable to them and serviceable to them and um, and if I want that you know in my secular job how much more I want that for the Lord and uh, want to be profitable and serviceable and prospering in everything that he's called us to do um, because he is our master, not our employer. Um, the Lord is our master and we want to do everything that will, um, that he requires of us for our ministry to prosper. And then I um, was looking at um, what it meant to be honorable or dishonors, uh, dishonorable vessels. And in uh, honor, in verse 21 of 2 Timothy, is the word time, um, which we know our word time comes from, but also meaning a value by which the price is fixed. So um, an honorable vessel would be used in... Um, back in biblical days would be used, and maybe even today, uh, in performing religious rites. And um, so we want to be honorable vessels so that we are useful in the purpose of the Father. And um, an example of a dishonorable vessel would be a vessel for a lowly use. Um, and this was not my example, but... Um, this example is like a, a urinal, and um, that would be a lowly use of a vessel. But another example that I... That's necessary. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> necessary, but dishonorable. Um, but a, an example of a vessel a vessel that I consider to have been a vessel of dishonor is found in John 19 and beginning uh, with verse 28 and going through verse 30. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. 
When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. So to me, um, that, would, that was a, a vessel of dishonor to the Lord. And um, so we should strive to be vessels of honor, sanctified, and we know it mean, what it means to be sanctified, to be separated from profane things, and to be dedicated to God and consecrated to Him and holy. And to be prepared is to make ready or make the necessary preparations. And in a, in a time where the world is straying farther and farther from God and His ways and His foundational truths, we must continually evaluate ourselves so that um, we will be vessels of honor to be used by the Father in His plan for restoration. And this will cost us something. And it, all, and it, has, it has cost us something over the years. <laughs> so um, I, I really never thought about this, but it says here that they took the vinegar and they put it upon his and they put it to his mouth. And when he therefore had received the vinegar, I guess I never realized he actually received the vinegar. Isn't vinegar like a cleansing agent? Because I know that recently I used it in my house to clean something that when I Googled, how do I clean this? The only option was vinegar. But I, and then it says, and he said it is finished right after he received the vinegar. That has to be something significant. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that it was dishonorable that they gave him vinegar. But um, the fact that he actually received it, and then the next thing he said is, it is finished, and he bowed his head, and he gave up the ghost. I don't know. That's a, I don't have a revelation there, but I just think it's super interesting. That is interesting that he did receive it. It does, is, it, is it wine that, does wine turn to vinegar after it, is that? Yeah. Remember those French people had the wine in a cask in their pantry, and they were turning it into vinegar? For what purpose? <laughs> Happy <alive>. birthday. Thank <laughs> you. Um, so every one of us here and in the network, um, we've given up things that were once precious or that we thought were precious to us so that we could offer to God everything that we are. And we do it willingly. 
and because we love the Father. So we do it willingly, and, and it's also because of our passion to serve Him and um, to partner with Him because He gave up everything for us. And as saints, we lay aside our agenda for His. And it's been quoted several times in the past couple of weeks, shall I offer to God that which costs me nothing? So it does cost us something to, in this life to walk the pathway that um, we've been blessed to, to partner with the Lord in. And we know that our reward is eternal. And, um, and then the final thing I think I have here. Uh, we're all familiar with the account of the potter and the clay in Jeremiah. And Monica, you probably read this <laughs> recently. Um, Jeremiah 18, beginning in verse 1. The word which came unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, this clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. So God sent Jeremiah down to this potter's house to receive a word for Israel, or concerning Judah and Jerusalem, for their turning away from God to idols. And um, knowing that God wants to mold and shape us into vessels of honor that are profitable and serviceable to Him, if He sees something in us that is marring, then He will work that out um, of us. And sometimes that can be painful. And um, But depending on our willingness to or lack thereof, uh, to let him work out of us that which um, should have no place in a vessel of honor, uh, a vessel that's fit for his use. Um, we need to allow him to work that out. And um, when we are on the potter's wheel, um, it's never for our harm, it's always for our good. And then the last scripture or verse I have here is Isaiah 64, eight. But now, O Lord, thou art our father, we are the clay, and thou our potter, and we all are the work of thy hand. And so, so that concludes my teaching.
sure. And then if you know it also But you're right. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Liz. That's good. Yeah. Anybody else have a comment? Well, I've been thinking myself. I'm trying to put words to thoughts, but um, in the natural, mm -hmm. I can go there for a moment. Um, throughout my business career, and probably all of you have seen much of the same thing. There was process continually, and especially in technology issue, uh, industries, uh, two things, revolution, you can think of Apple and other country companies, revolution, and evolution, and you can think of IBM and some of the others that were able to evolve. Not everyone was every, was both revolution, and in Apple's case, evolution. But how about Hayes Modem? 